your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Now the 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. It's an immaculate inning for Kane Povich. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three strikeouts. Wow, what a start by Povich here in Lincoln today. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Tim Curran and Austin Orman. That's right. Uh, myself as well as Austin Orman have hijacked the show tonight. Taken over. So you're no, not going to hear the, uh, now. the dulcet tones of of uh, Greg Sharp or Ben McLaughlin tonight. Uh, you're going to be hearing me. And Austin, as, uh, as Ben and Greg, though, they, they deserve the rest after calling the one nothing shutout to victory uh, of Nebraska's win over Michigan earlier today. We're going to hear from Ben, though, next segment as he's going to give us his kind of thoughts on uh, what he saw today as well as uh, what's to look forward to as far as regionals goes for Husker baseball. A lot of exciting things with this with this Husker baseball program as they have already wrapped up the Big Ten conference title, but uh, not necessarily a meaningless series that they have against Michigan. I mean, it's still a nice crowd, over 5,000 fans, I believe, were in attendance at Haymarket Park and, and watched Cade Povich uh, deliver an immaculate inning uh, just to start the game off, so you knew it was something special right at the start. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the Husker baseball team has a lot to look forward to, obviously, with regionals coming up. Um, wish they had a little bit better weather today, Austin. Um, it's a little too chilly for my taste. Uh, I did not bravely venture out to Haymarket <laughs> Park. I, I stayed holed up in my apartment. It was too windy, too cloudy. Maybe I'm just soft, but uh, I, I wasn't feeling the weather today. It's a little bit uh, a little bit chilly here in the, uh, in the capital city. Well, that's why we have Greg and Ben, intrepid warriors, so that they are being big team players. You know, calling a one nothing win, gutting through it. I heard rumor Ben ended up uh, wearing pants. He said he was going to try to tough it out with the shorts. So, you know, if Ben's going with the pants, that's how you know it's not a great weather day, but a great day on the field for Nebraska. That 1-0 victory to start the series. You know, wrapping up the conference title last weekend, you can ask yourself, well, what is there for this team to play for? And you look at how Will Bolt and these guys are approaching at Cade Povich today. Obviously, there's plenty left to play for. Yeah, they have their regional spot locked up, but they're playing for seeding. All the projections had them going to Fayetteville to play the number one overall seed more than likely Arkansas. That's not a draw you want. You want to avoid them as long as you can, I think. And then, you know, Nebraska clinches the conference title and okay, they're moved to the Lubbock Regional to take on Texas Tech, who's scuffling a little bit in their conference tournament. That looks better. And then just recently, okay, now you're headed out to Gonzaga. You'll play in Spokane against the number 15 national seed. You know, you drop from the one overall seed to the number 15 overall seed that is a much better draw at least you would think for nebraska to get a slightly easier path to a super regional so still plenty left to play for you know you you win one game here today that's a great start still two more on the table you've won nine games in a row now so might be a lot to ask to get all the way up to 11 but hey i mean you win this series you win 10 of your last 11 games you're feeling good heading into regionals and not only are you feeling good about how you're playing but you're probably feeling pretty good about your draw that'll come out on monday yeah i, I agree with all of what you said and, and yeah I, I, the, the one question i'm going to ask ben as well and I'll, I'll ask you is to me 
it's hard for me to, to, to figure out what has been the most impressive aspect of this Husker baseball team. Obviously, it was the pitching today, but at times the offense has really been uh, roaring. I mean, Max Anderson, especially at the beginning of the year, had just an incredible performances at the plate, ripping the cover off the ball. Bryce Matthews has really picked things up. So has Griffin Everett. I mean, a lot of the young guys, um, the way they've kind of taken things in stride, uh, especially offensively, has been impressive. Spencer Schwellenbach on the bump to close things out has been impressive all year. Um, winning all the series that they have, uh, with the exception of that, that Rutgers series, obviously. Um, it's been kind of an incredible watch. And even on the base pass, too, uh, mm-hmm. they've been aggressive and, 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 and really played a complete performance. So I guess uh, not to put you too much on the spot here, Austin, but when you look at this Big Ten title-winning team, what aspect to you has been the most impressive? Because for me, it's, it's hard to decide it to just one. I, I, it's, it's, all around, it's been impressive, but a lot of it has been great. Right. I think that's the most impressive part is that there isn't really a true huge point to this weakness. This is where you can get Nebraska thing. You know, you put the ball in play, defense has been really solid. I know Nebraska just won a one nothing game today, but it's a surprise when the offense doesn't come through. That's been really solid. The starting pitching has been pretty solid all year long. Kate Povich has dealt all year. Chance Roach has been pretty solid. Chase Shandman a little more up and down. But, you know, he's turned in a number of good starts. And the bullpen's been pretty darn solid as well. Spencer Schwellenbach on the back end. Jake Buns has become a go-to piece. Plenty of other guys that Will Bolton, Jeff Christie can mix and match. But if I had to point to one thing, it's the offense. Right now, you've got three players hitting over 300. Spencer Schwellenbach just four points under. Joe Ackers really set the table all year for this team. Bryce Matthews coming on. And a guy like Cam Chick has been in a slide, but he's a guy you know can get hot in an absolute hurry. The offense has been probably the most consistent part all year long, at least in my eyes. They've scored double-digit runs a number of times, which is always awesome to see. And it just, like I said, you're surprised when the offense doesn't come through. They've had moments where they struggle, as every baseball team does. But to stay after good pitching, even if they're not scoring runs, they're having pretty competitive at bats all year long I've been extremely impressed with the approaches at the plate you look at a guy like Luke Roskam is single today with two strikes shot through the left side his approach has been awesome to see Max Anderson like you said ripping the cover off the baseball all year long Jackson Hallmark Joe Acker at the top of the lineup have been great Bryce Matthews hasn't been trying to do too much from his spot at the bottom of the order but he's come through in big situations it's not one or two or three guys carrying the offense. You never know where it's going to come from on a given day. And the balance and the consistency of the offense, I think, is a huge part of what has led Nebraska to 30 wins with two remaining. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you have any thoughts on what you saw today from the Husker baseball teams, be free to give us a text here on our U.S. Sailor text line at 531-500-4686. Brought to you by U.S. Sailor. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Sailor Connecting. Oscar Nation also can give us a call there as well at that same number. Again, that's 531-500-4686. Well, as I mentioned, we will be talking with Ben McLaughlin uh, about the Husker baseball team and the win today, so plenty of that more to come. Also, in the 7 o'clock hour, we're going to have your replay of the Bill Moose hour. There's always a great time to listen to the athletic director. is always a good, uh, a good listen, so we'll have that in the 7 o'clock central hour. Then in hour three, we're going to have our weekend preview as well as our weekend review and our winners and losers. So definitely stick around for all of that. But Austin, uh, something else that's been on my mind, and this was talked about plenty 
on the show last night, but I, I had to get my two cents in just because I I was stunned when I saw it. But the you know, needless to say, Oklahoma, their statement they put out concerning the the television time window for Nebraska and Oklahoma, the game that's going to be on on Big Fox, Big Noon Saturday or whatever they're calling a Big Noon kickoff. Um, it was incredible, incredible in a good way and also an embarrassing way that a university <laughs> would put out a statement about a television time window. Um, I mean, look, you can cry all you want till the cows come home about 11 a.m. kickoffs. I mean, Lord knows Nebraska knows what 11 a.m. kickoffs are like. Uh, Nebraska's had... Uh, I haven't kept count, but virtually every single kickoff, save for only one or two uh, each year, has been an 11 a.m. kickoff. And so Oklahoma wanting to take their ball and go home or just lash out and throw a temper tantrum over a TV time (laughs) in an official statement, by the way. This isn't just like a – you can imagine an AD or the coaching staff or players or whomever – getting worked up over an 11 a.m. kick. Yeah, you can understand that, but the idea that they're going to release an official statement over it is, is incredible to me. But, but more than that, because we've, we've, that much is obvious. I think anyone can, can connect those dots, can, can laugh at, at a statement like that. But I think more to the point, a few days before that, a few days before Oklahoma sent that statement out, there was uh, might have seen this, Austin, um, that ESPN Fox had declined early television negotiations with the Big 12 Conference. Um, there, there's some rumblings about what might happen with the conclusion when that when that deals up in a few years. I've got my own conspiracy theory that we may or may not get into um, if I'm feeling brave enough. Um, what a rip! Come on. The landscape. The landscape is clearly changing, and you get a sense that the TV providers are not happy. Uh, with the current state of things. Neither are the universities, at least not Oklahoma. Um, and I wanted to get your sense, Austin, of, of what you might think will play out uh, the next three, four years in terms of TV rights. What, what, what is the future going to look like with people cutting cords um, you know, and, and, and things turning to streaming? I mean, this, this has a potential to completely upend the way we consume sports. And you know, ESPN and Fox and all the other TV providers not wanting to shell out to these conferences uh, the, the the rights money, uh, to me, has piqued my interest. But I, the only thing I'm uncertain is is just what kind of impact that might have on college football. I, I have an idea, but I, I wanted to get your thoughts first of, of what you made of, of all this. Well, I don't think it's that they don't want to shell out. I I would disagree with that because the SEC is leaving CBS to go to ESPN. That's going to be their new partner. And the whole contract that SEC signed with ESPN is going to be worth $3 billion, with a B, dollars. That's $300 million a year. And right now they're getting $55 million a year from CBS. So there's money to be made, you know, paying for these rights. You're going to get eyeballs. So the worldwide leader, at least, is willing to shell out. And I think that, you know, Fox seeing that the SEC is going away from CBS to ESPN is going to see, you know, what can it do with its Big Ten product? Is the Pac-12 going to make any moves? What does the landscape you know, look like in a couple of years? There's still a couple of years of this contract, you know, left with the Big 12 and Fox. It'll expire 
after 2023. And part of the reason I'm also confused by that Oklahoma statement tying this together is because it's been a, you know, they're four years into their six-year deal right now. And Oklahoma has had a number of big primetime games on Fox's 11 o'clock slate. Red River rivalry with Texas has been an 11 o'clock game. Bedlam with Oklahoma State has been an 11 o'clock game more often than not. So it's not like Oklahoma's any stranger to this, and they, they know it's Fox's big primetime game. It's their TV partner. Fox has a deal with the Big Ten as well. So if both leagues have this deal with this television company, it only makes sense that they would want this to be their feature game at the time they've chosen to be their feature time. Maybe Oklahoma doesn't like that. Maybe this, you know, grumbling by Oklahoma helped precipitate some of the discussion to, you know, hold off. Well, if our biggest brand in this league isn't happy, second biggest brand behind Texas, I don't know. If they're not happy, maybe we need to rethink this. What do we want to put our emphasis on? You can't say the Big 12 is not a a valuable property with, you know, Texas and Oklahoma in that league. You're going to get eyeballs. Oklahoma State's pretty good as well and all the eyeballs with all those Texas schools. So the Big 12 is a product that someone is going to pay for. Maybe Fox doesn't think it's getting enough you know, out of it. Maybe it wants to focus more on the Pac-12. Of course, they have a new commissioner and all the California schools, the Arizona schools in there as well. So I, it's not someone's going to shell out for it. I don't know if it'll be a $3 billion contract, of course, but someone is going to be willing to pay for it, whether it's you know, on a platform like YouTube TV or Hulu that's more streaming based, but of course maybe they TikTok, carry all the, get all the play TikTok, calls in, right? Uh, Amazon Prime, dances, right? You know, Facebook the Zoomers Live. are taking over. Um, I hope you're all prepared for that, by the way. Um, the future of television is, yeah, it's going to be everyone's going to watch, you know, football on their phone and it's going to be on like a Twitch stream with someone, you know, yapping over it, um, you know, with a gaming headset on. Um, yeah, it, it, the future is dark is what I'm trying to say. I, I wouldn't go that far. I don't think it's dark. I think it, it's changing. I know you're an old soul, so I can understand yeah. why, you know, you might. They shouldn't be a even televise games. I mean, not to lobby but... too hard for radio, but I mean, come on, maybe they should only have like six or seven games on a year and it has to be shown in black and white um, and the rest are going to be on, on the radio. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I wanted. A return to sure. tradition. Is that too much to ask for? Uh, probably at this point. I think we're a little bit too far gone yeah. for that to be a thing. Well, but By no, the way, I, okay. you know, the, obviously the proper way to consume a game is to buy your ticket, go to Memorial Stadium and turn on the radio. That's obviously the right way to do things. Yeah, but, your Walkman, no, like uh, your Steve Bartman or something, you know? <laughs> well, I, here's my end game, because I, I know we're, we we got to take a break here soon, but I, I wanted to get in my, my... Here's where this is all headed. And Austin, um, I'm not sure how you feel about this idea, but I think you're going to see some type of conference realignment in a handful of years. Um, the reason being is that branding is absolutely everything anymore. I mean, it always has been, but but now I think that a school like Oklahoma, they want to throw their weight around. You know, they they have, um, you know, and it might it might not be that we're looking at like super conferences where you're going to have 30 teams in a in a conference, or maybe you always have that that European Super League model where you you break off and, and try and form your own um, venture outside of the NCAA. Even I mean that 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 <laughs> probably isn't likely, but. Uh, your my mind kind of jumps to there, but I, I think that yeah, there there are a handful of programs and probably about a dozen or so that would want to forge forward and do their own thing rather than have to deal with these conferences. Um, and you saw that especially last year, the power that conferences can lord over these institutions. If 
Nebraska and Ohio State want to play football, but the Big Ten doesn't want to play football. Well, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> that's kind of, right. it's kind of a rock and a hard place. And so I think we're going to start seeing a shift to maybe maybe not even conference realignment, but maybe a conference-less model well, I, of football. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Conferences, I think, as big a tradition as you know, sport as college football is with its traditions, conferences have been a big part of that. So I don't think conferences are going anywhere. I think You're not taking that leap with me? I, I, I'm not willing to go that far in that vein. I think the whole COVID pandemic trying to limit travel conference-only schedules is going to push some of this you know, potential realignment back. Obviously, it's been talked about since you know, the start of last decade when Nebraska and Missouri kind of got the train rolling, Texas A&M too. But I, I wouldn't be as surprised to see some teams you know, leave conference, maybe form a new conference around you know, name, image, likeness, schools that are more forward-thinking, like in Nebraska and Oklahoma, maybe even in Oregon, something like that, you know, that wants to hop on this train of name, image, likeness, take care of their players. That's probably going to be easier to do outside of the NCAA governing body. So I would be, you know, more interested to see what a potential NIL conference looks like more than a geographically proximate conference setup. Yeah, no, I think I think I think that's I think you're onto something. Well, if you agree with either myself or Austin, but especially if you agree with me, uh, <laughs> feel free to give us a text at five three one five hundred four six eight six or a call as well, and we'll try and slip you on the program next. Though. We are going to be speaking with our very own Ben McLaughlin, who was on the call today for Nebraska's 1-0 victory over the Michigan Wolverines. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Sports Nightly rolling along here on a Friday night. Tim Curran, as well as Austin Orman, filling in for the big lofty shoes of Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. But Ben hasn't gone too far as he's Joining us now on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline following Nebraska's one nothing shutout victory over Michigan. Ben, there were a lot of questions and concerns surrounding where is the motivation going to be for the Huskers since they already locked up the Big Ten title, but uh, didn't look like this Nebraska team was was lacking any motivation today. Yeah, I don't think we expected it to be. I think, you know, this team is, as Will Bold always says, they just love the chance to to play baseball, and that's what, you know, they were given an opportunity to do that today against a really, really good team, a regional regional team in Michigan, a team that um, Nebraska has some history with, and I think that was enough to get them fired up. The crowd was absolutely phenomenal today at Hawks Field, and a lot of these guys are, are playing their last few games here, so I think there was still plenty for the team to play for, and that showed up today. Yeah, uh, and of course the Wolverines were inexplicably ranked above NU practically the entire year. So I wonder if the uh, the big brain writers have figured out that uh, that might not have been the smartest move. Uh, but Kate Povich obviously really dialed in, as was Jake Buns and Spencer Schwellenbach. Um, has that been the most impressive aspect to you about this team? I mean, everything's been pretty impressive. Pitching, batting, base running even has been solid. When you kind of take the 360-degree view of this team, uh, what aspect of it, Ben, has, has impressed you the most in, in 2021? I, I think it's their mentality. I mean, all the stuff that you mentioned is impressive. You know, their ability to hit the ball and, you know, their, their chaos on the bases and their ability to play defense, best fielding team in the Big Ten, and, you know, even the pitching, you know, those spe- specifically the bullpen. You know, they've all been exceptional this year, but I think it's just the, this team's mentality. You know, they've faced some some forks in the road, as every baseball team does in a season, and they, you know, whenever it comes time to, you know, make a decision and find out 
which direction your season's going to go. This team always, always chooses the right path, and you know they, they bounce back. They have that, that mentality that can get them out of those holes when they're not playing well. When you get swept at home against Rutgers, the first time you've been swept against a conference opponent um, from it, since mem- being members of the Big Ten, that's a decision to make. And, and what's happened since then? The Huskers have gone 10-1 and one since that stretch. So um, while I'm impressed with you know, their ability to hit the ball and you know, the, the ability to drive it out of the ballpark or hit gaps or steal bases or throw strikes, get punch outs, field the ball at a high clip, whatever it is, I think that's the thing that impresses me the most. And that's what, that's what inevitably, inevitably wins you games and helps win you championships. And you know, I think the Huskers, if they continue to have that mentality throughout the rest of the season, they'll be happy with the end result. Talking with Ben McLaughlin, who had a chance to call Nebraska's one nothing shutout over the Wolverines earlier today. Uh, what's kind of been the secret sauce, do you think, with this squad? It is senior weekend, and I wonder if that's been a difference maker is, is the guys who got that extra eligibility from the NCAA when their season got cut short in 2020. Do you think that has anything to do with the success the team saw this year, or do you think it's something else entirely? I think that it fits under the umbrella of the leadership, and Coach Bull has been very vocal about that all year, that this team wouldn't be where it's at without the the leaders and the captains of this team. I'm thinking about guys like Joe Acker and Jackson Hallmark and Mojo Haggy and, you know, guys that have been around the block for a long time and, you know, know, know what buttons to push with the new players, not just the freshmen, but the new players, the junior college transfers and the guys that, um, you know, have been a part of this thing, haven't been a part of this thing for as long as others have, and when you have that type of leadership, that kind of feeds into what I was talking about earlier about the mentality. You have to have the players that kind of set that tone in the clubhouse, and they have that. And a lot of these players weren't happy with the way the 2019 season ended and the way that they lost that heartbreaker against Oklahoma State in the regional against Oklahoma City. This team, in my opinion, was one out away from potentially winning a regional and i think i think they would have won the regional um you know that that's that could just be um, me me blowing smoke but I, I truly think if the huskers beat oklahoma state that night they're probably winning that regional they're in the driver's seat um and i don't think they like the way that that ended and i think that still fuels them to this day and you know allows them to compete every time they're at the ballpark and not let uh, an emotional week like this last week raising a trophy uh, affect how they play in games like today and it certainly didn't well, speaking of, of regionals, this is obviously a little bit of a bittersweet moment, I think, for the Husker baseball team, given that they were kind of robbed of an opportunity to host a regional with the NCAA unveiling those 20 host sites a little bit early after Nebraska had just got swept by Rutgers. Um, you know, was that a mistake in your eyes for the NCAA to kind of pull that move to pick those those host sites before the, the season was finished, before the Big Ten title had been locked up? What was kind of the, the reasoning behind all that? Well, I understand why they did it, and they did it because, you know, the health and safety protocols at the time, you know, it was only a 50% capacity, and they wanted to make sure everybody that was hosting a regional had the capability of doing so with the state and local governments, with uh, just the accommodations, with TV, with fans. They, they needed to make sure that they, could, that they could do it safely. Well, then, you know, after they make that determination and they announce the 20 sites, the NCAA then went and said, you know, it's it's now a local decision, and you can absolutely fill it up to to capacity if if you you know can do so, and your local governments are, um, you know, allowing you to do so. That's something that you can do, and that 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 decision came a couple of two weeks too late. If you're in Nebraska, if the Huskers could find a way to win this series, um, there's no doubt that, in my opinion, if this was a normal situation, Nebraska would be hosting a regional. 
Unfortunately, that's not the case, and the decisions have been made, um, and the, the, the 16 sites are, are within the 20 that they announced, and we'll find out Monday what those sites are. Now, I, I wouldn't completely close the door based on how the week's unfolded to this point of Nebraska potentially being a one seed um, in, in one of those regionals as a visitor. There are other teams that I think are doing enough to grab a hold of all 16 of those sites, um, and I think there hasn't been as, as much chaos as there needs to be for a team like Nebraska to get a one seed. Uh, but if Nebraska keeps playing well, they should set themselves up at a fairly good situation in a regional to not have to face one of the top eight national seeds, which is, of course, what you want to avoid. Well, that's what I was planning on asking you next about Selection Monday. I mean, what should Husker fans anticipate uh, about monday obviously you don't have a crystal ball in front of you i still have it uh i use it for buy sell it has varying success <laughs> that clouded crystal ball coming out again isn't it <laughs> <laughs> this is true this is true but in terms of seating even where they might be headed to i mean do, do is there any indication yet of, of of any of that any any idea uh that where husker fans should be looking at where nebraska might head or what, what their seed might be well i'm i'm very confident nebraska is going to miss and I'm, this is going to be a conservative guess here at least the top five national seeds i'm very confident of that and i think even with the win today you could probably press that out to the top eight national seeds nebraska shouldn't be in any of those regionals so you're going to avoid fayetteville you're going to avoid nashville you're going to avoid austin texas you're going to avoid oxford mississippi you're going to avoid all you know all those death traps down in the sec um in your first round which is which is big and and you're probably going to find your way potentially into a non-power five uh regional you know that could be an ecu that could be a gonzaga that could be you know any of those conference usa teams that got a host a charlotte earned a host you know that could be any of those situations um that that are in front of nebraska i I'm a firm believer that Nebraska is going to be a solid two seed, one of the higher two seeds. Um, I, I, like I said before, I think there's been enough done by the 20 host site teams where we're going to fill all 16 with ones and not have you know, a visiting one seed. So I think Nebraska is going to be a two seed, and I think they're probably going to get a favorable you know, regional in terms of who is the one seed. Now there are some, still some really good baseball teams that are going to be three seeds in this thing. So that's not to say that Nebraska's first-round matchup is going to be a breeze when they play that 2-3 matchup to begin a regional. It's going to be probably going to be a pretty tough test. All 64 teams in the field are, are pretty good. They're there for a reason, but... Um, you know, I think in terms of where Nebraska is going to be seated, I think they've done enough to where they've they've given they've given themselves the opportunity to have a pretty favorable draw. Okay, Ben. Well, now it's time to to call your shot. Um, I've already asked you to make a couple of predictions, but how about one more? Uh, in terms of this team staying power, I mean, because to me it looks like this team is, is is pretty special. I mean, obviously they win the Big Ten tournament. That doesn't happen every year. Um, and and the the dominant display they had, at least on the mound. Uh, really impressed me but can this team compete with the cream of the crop in the SEC and the Pac-12 what's what's your kind of feel because it's only been in a conference schedule so we don't necessarily know how Nebraska would stack up against that odds but uh, what's your kind of sense of, of where this team would stack up against the best of the of the best well, I think this team can compete with about anybody in the country, to be honest. I think they've got enough, you know, based on what we've seen on the scouting reports and, um, you know, with, with Nebraska's opponents, they've seen pitchers that have thrown 99 miles an hour this year. They've seen pitchers with devastating wipeout sliders, you know, with Ben Scooter at Michigan State. We've seen, 
we've seen as good as stuff as there is in college baseball. I mean, obviously guys like like Kumar Rocker and, and Jack Leiter and Ty Madden, you know, some of these guys they haven't yet seen, but um, it's not like Nebraska hasn't seen anything close to that. I think the guy they saw today, Hadger, is is has as good a stuff from the left side as you're going to see in college baseball. 95 with a, you know, really good mix of a changeup and a slider. You know, I think. They've seen all there is to see, and so I think at this point you like their ability to go compete against anybody in the country. Now, once you get to postseason, it's a different mentality, and some teams buckle at the knees. I don't think this team will do that. I think they're pretty tough mentally, but you know you never quite know what's going to happen in the postseason. But I like I like this team's ability to compete with about anybody, and you know it being a double elimination tournament, I think will, will definitely help a team like Nebraska too. So um, you know I, th- I I'm, ex- I'm I've got lofty expectations for what I'm going to see next week. Okay, well, thanks, Ben, for stopping by. And, of course, the pressure's on you to, to finish out this series strong. You, be, you better get that sweep for uh, the Big Red. Oh, there you go, just handing out free sweeps like like it's nothing, Tim. We're going to do our best to show up to tomorrow, play good baseball, and we'll, we'll start with tomorrow before we go to Sunday. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a good plan to me. Ben, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Have a good show. Keep, keep it on the rails, please. And now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose, presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family. Shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our monthly sit-down with the Nebraska Athletic Director, Bill Moose. If you want to be a part of the program tonight, 531-500-4686. That's the number to fire off a call or a text if you want to do that. That's our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. U.S. Cellular connecting Husker Nation. Well, the semester ended, but Husker sports continuing on, Bill. And congratulations. You have a championship baseball team that you oversee. Well, uh, that, that's a, a source of pride for all of us, and, and uh, what, a, what a great story. I mean, the, the, the entire story, the uh, weekend story, the Will Bolt story, the, um, the Big Ten playing a, a, a non-traditional uh, conference-only schedule. I mean, uh, Greg, we had so many distractions in all of our sports programs and baseball uh, right in there with the rest of them, and Will and his people figured it out, and a great resolve by a, a, a great bunch of young guys, and here we are, Big Ten champions uh, with a, with uh, one series left to go here at home. I, I'm so proud of them, uh, uh, and we all should be. That, that isn't an easy feat, and, and we did it, and... And uh, there'll be more. I'm going to tell you, I like the direction we're going in baseball. Well, it's, it's really remarkable. It's the first year for this staff to go through the league. They, they started a year ago, but only got 15 games into the season when the pandemic hit and it shut it down. So the first time through the league and they win the thing. Uh, it, it is a great story, and just kudos to whoever hired Will Bolt. That, that's, the, that's the cherry <laughs> on top is whoever did that. I think he needs a raise. Hey, what do you know? Uh, no, I, I tell you, um, uh, you, you look again, and, and you're right on top of it, uh, calling the, the balls and strikes. It's, um, uh, it, it's, um, 
uh, uh, even more special because it, it, even though it was a condensed season, it was a longer Big Ten season, having played everybody. And uh, there's this is a tough, tough conference in every sport. Baseball is no exception. So, um, hey, we we, uh, we have great momentum there. And as we as we talk this evening, Greg, and, and you look at, at what we accomplished in this um, in this year that uh, again uh, we hope we never have one that's anything like it is pretty impressive when you put it all together and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that as we go through the program three more home games left and I know you'd love to see some big crowds out there I, I told the, the couple of the coaches after the game I said this is fantastic the only thing that I really wish we could have done this at Haymarket Park in front of our fans, but you, you don't you don't pick and choose when you can win a title. You do it when you can do it, and they got it wrapped up in Bloomington on Sunday. But uh, my guess is, Bill, there'll be a few folks coming through the gates this weekend to watch this team and salute this team for what they did. Hail the conquering heroes. Uh, we should Damn. pack that place. Uh, we're going to open the floodgates. Um, I want the photographers there. This is a celebration. I know we got to take care of business. And you and I have both seen uh, instances where a championship's been wrapped up and uh, kind of go to sleep. I don't think this group will do that. And this is a fine Michigan uh, ball club. Uh, they're going to come in here, and, and they've got some things to prove. we got to protect our home uh, baseball field and, and get after it. But it uh, looks like the weather's going to hold out nice. And, and uh, let's have a huge crowd, hopefully all three days, and uh, really celebrate this young baseball team and what they've accomplished this year. Fantastic. Bill's with us for the hour tonight, 531-500-4686. In fact, let's get to the phones. Richard and Lincoln, you are up first tonight with Bill Moose. Good evening. Richard, are you there? Well, maybe Richard got gun shy on us, so we'll try to get Richard back. We'll try to get back to Richard. Maybe he uh, went, walked away from his phone. You said we, we have a lot to talk about tonight, Bill. A lot has happened in the last three or four weeks since we last had you on. And next on my list is that a big announcement that you made a week or so ago that Ireland is back in play. The Huskers are going to go over there to open the 2022 season. This was something I don't think you ever gave up on, did you? This is something you wanted to get done. Well, I really did, and for a little bit different reasons in some respects uh, for the upcoming one in 22 as to the 21 uh, that we had scheduled against Illinois. But um, I just think that this is a wonderful experience for our student-athletes and and also for our fans. And uh, as we've talked about before when we first having these conversations on on uh, the early game in Ireland, uh, these people want Nebraska. They want us because uh, of our, our great following and the, how well we travel. It doesn't matter if, if we're going to Northwestern or Iowa or Dublin, Ireland. Our people are going to be there. And uh, this is really working out well because uh, those who had made their reservations and their travel plans can just roll those over uh, for the 22 game against Northwestern, and again in week zero. And so um, the, to, to fill in some blanks here, uh, this should be a, a, a real good matchup. Um, but I want, I want our fans and our listeners tonight to understand a, a lot of the 
of the strategy here. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a, a great uh, um, opportunity for our student-athletes, for our fans. But as it plays out, you know, we have not had good success in Evanston uh, since Scott has been here. We've lost twice up there. All of a sudden, we take that uh, Northwestern home game, and we actually make that a Nebraska home game because uh, I just know we will outnumber their fans over there, and that stadium will be red. And that plays in our favor. Uh, secondly, it gives us a bye, Greg, uh, late in the season before we play Michigan. And we already have a built-in bye from the original schedule before we go on the road to play at Wisconsin. So two tough road games late in the season when, as you know, you can be chipped up, tired, um, and, and really drawing on the depth of your roster gives us a chance to catch our breath uh, and hopefully we're going to be in, in the running for that uh, Big Ten West title, and, and this really plays in well in that regard too. So everything lays out really nicely and uh, gives us an opportunity to get some momentum early in the season. We've got a tough tough schedule uh, this next year, and, we'll, and we have a tough one in 22. But uh, this gives us a chance, I really think, to uh, uh, strategically – uh, be ready to play some big games with a few more days to prepare. Fans can go visit the website collegefootballireland.com to get information about travel packages, tickets, and all the details. Again, collegefootballireland.com. Let's try Richard in Lincoln again. Richard, good evening. You're on with Bill Moose. Hello? Yes, sir. Hello, Richard. Yes. I have a question for the athletic director. Um, What plans are being made to send a portion or all of the University of Nebraska Cornhusker marching band to the game in Ireland? Well, we uh, are contracted to have uh, the band there. How many uh, is still up in the air? It's going to be a while before that's probably decided. But ideally, we'd have our entire marching band, which is uh, the pride of Nebraska and very impressive. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of our marching band and our spirit groups and all of that. So uh, we will have a presence. And uh, how many and how long uh, they'll get to stay, still way too early and and the costs are not uh, anywhere as near uh, ready for us to evaluate all that but we will have a presence with our marching band Richard that take care of you Richard okay thank you sir appreciate the phone call speaking of the the band and the cheerleaders and the the dance squads it was so great to see them, Bill, at the spring game on May the 1st. And I know it wasn't the full band that was there, but just to have a representative of that and kind of bring some of the sights and sounds of college football. Um, Scott Frost, I think, said it best after the game. He said he needed he needed that day to see all those people again, and all of those people, I think, needed that day as well. What were your thoughts about the way the spring game got pulled together? Well, it, it, uh, it was heartwarming as I drove in. Uh, through the Haymarket and such to see it crowded people in red and smiling and uh, on into the parking lots where uh, it looked like days of old and and uh, it, w- it was very special and um, I actually choked up a little bit because uh, these fans of ours are 
are um, they are uh, unequaled in in college athletics and more specifically in college football and uh, they hung with us they know that we fought to try to get them in memorial stadium uh, that didn't work uh, we continued to fight fight and now it looks like we're going to be able to have a hundred percent capacity this fall and I have every reason to believe that the sellout streak will continue. Uh, we're tracking right now, and we're having very, very uh, good numbers in regards to season ticket renewals. But as we got into the <clears throat> venue itself and to, to see the Spirit Squad, to see Herbie, to hear the band and see people enjoying and clapping and um, getting back to what we're used to, um, it, it was very, very rewarding and satisfying and really uh, gives us a little skip to our step as we go into the summer and be back in fall camp before we know it. Very good. Uh, buckle up and put that phone down. That's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. You alluded to uh, season ticket holders have been uh, – they've uh, been approached. They, uh, the renewal process is underway. Uh, what about if somebody wants to get on a waiting list? Are you to that point yet where you want to get some people on a, on a backup list in case you have some openings for football tickets in the fall? Yeah, we're fast approaching that, Greg, and, and uh, we're, up, we're up into the 90% uh, renewals. So uh, those who uh, want to get on that list and such uh, should be doing it right away because, uh, like I said a moment ago, we have every um, – intention of selling Memorial Stadium out again and uh, uh, and keep that sellout streak active and and uh, our fans need to be on top of this get their renewals done and those who may not have been fortunate enough to have a chance to uh, enjoy Husker football uh, because of, of uh, the inability to get a season ticket need to get on that list right away. Very good. Again, huskers.com slash tickets. If you have some thoughts, interest in Husker football tickets, that's where you need to go. And uh, if you are a season ticket holder, get your information filled out and get it back to the athletic department. Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. One ball, two strikes. Here's the pitch. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. They won the title for the second time in five years. This team dogpiling in front of the mound, and they deserve this. What a season. What a job put together by Will Bold and this coaching staff. Your Nebraska Cornhuskers are the 2021 Big Ten champions. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Tim Curran and Austin Orman. Welcome back. Sports Nightly Hour 3 on a Friday night. Joined by Austin Orman, myself, Tim Curran, here as we close down the week. And a pretty good week, uh, I would say, especially for Husker baseball, as we've been mentioned throughout the night. They took down the Michigan Wolverines by a final score of one to nothing, a shutout victory for Nebraska baseball, a good win in a, not a meaningless series, but certainly a series that, that's not make or break, but a, but a nice win nonetheless and a good win for those seniors as well. Well, coming up 
later this hour. We'll have our weekend review as well as our winners and losers. Also, hope you enjoyed the replay of the Moose Hour we had in the, the second hour of the show. But uh, coming up right now is our weekend preview. It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in, watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Austin Orman. Well, Husker baseball has been the topic of most of the show. Still two games left this weekend. Two more noon starts at Haymarket Park, closing out the regular season. And Tim, right there, you just said, no, not a meaningless series. Far from it. I mean, still plenty to play for for the Big Red in terms of seeding. You know, it looks like Nebraska is probably a two. But, you know, they keep playing well. If they've happened to sweep Michigan, even if they just, you know, split these last two, take two out of three, that could help a whole lot in getting them a much better first-round regional draw and a better chance to potentially make it to a super regional. Absolutely. I mean, and, and this really, if you just take the 360-degree view of this team this season, it, it's been an incredible watch. I mean, I am I was trying to ask Ben what he thought the secret sauce was with the team. Was it the, the seniors getting an extra year of eligibility? Um, uh, but I think Ben kind of nailed it when he talked about the leadership of Will Bolt. I mean, it's been incredible. I mean, just mowing through these Big Ten teams with that conference only a schedule. Uh, and, and this is really his first full year in charge of the Big Red because last year he didn't have much of a season after it got cut short uh, due to the, the pandemic. And so the, the idea that Will Bolt was going to waltz in and not even pick to be in the top six then win the Big Ten uh, outright – and now you're, you're, you're beating the team, Michigan, that was ranked above Nebraska the entire year, almost inexplicably. Uh, the writers just assuming that, that this was the same team uh, that, that made the, the World Series in 2019 uh, doesn't look to be the case, although there's still, still a couple more games left. But, uh, you know, Nebraska, I think it's a good sign, Austin, that they, they showed up today ready to play, that the, the pitching performances from Povich, from Schwellenbach, from Buns were fantastic. And we'll see what happens on Saturday and Sunday. But this is a team that clearly came ready to play. They did not pull a Phil Mickelson and say, oh, you know, I already <laughs> won the PGA, so I don't have to, you know, they, they, they have that mentality. They're dialed in, and, and that's great to see. And so I'm, I'm really curious what's going what's gonna, to what's gonna happen here in the regionals. Uh, I was trying to get Ben's gauge of things, and, and I, I would tend to agree with him that this team can compete with anyone because they have that kind of fiery spirit. So, so all good things for, uh, for Husker baseball. Barring a miracle, the last home games of the year for Husker baseball. Didn't get a chance to play many of them. Friend of the program, Evan Bland, said there's an announced crowd of 5,434 people in Haymarket Park. Not too bad for a Friday afternoon. You'd like to think the weekend games probably more well attended than that, especially tomorrow's game. Chance to win the series, probably in the nicer weather tomorrow uh, compared to Sunday. Looking around the rest of the Big Ten Another big series in Bloomington, it's Indiana and Maryland. Both of those teams, to me, along with Nebraska and Michigan, are tournament teams. You'd like to think the committee would see it that way. You think you can get four Big Ten teams in the tournament. But Indiana's been sliding, Tim. We saw last weekend their offense struggled. We know all about how good their pitching is. But you know, Nebraska takes two from them. The offense struggles for Indiana against Nebraska and Ohio State. If ever a team was backing into regional play, it's Indiana right now. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think that of all the Big Ten teams, um, I know Maryland, Maryland's up there. They're ranked as well. Um, Indiana definitely fallen. They're, they're now behind Michigan, I believe, in, in the conference mm-hmm. standings. And, and Michigan's been on the, on the skid a little bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, of, of all the things, the Big Ten gets a lot of flack uh, as a conference for its baseball performance. But with, with Michigan having made the, the College World Series in 2019, and also just think that, again, we haven't seen the Huskers stack up against other uh, talent from outside their conference. But I think you can safely assume that having won 30 games uh, in a conference-only schedule uh, and, and on a nine-game win streak, I believe, it, it is is impressive enough. And, and uh, maybe the, the NCAA uh, may or may not take note. Obviously, Lincoln not selected as one of the regional host sites, which uh, was obviously a bare disappointment for, for Coach Bull. But I think that's that's more just chalkboard material. And they played, as you mentioned, they played good teams. I mean, Indiana, Ohio State, uh, Michigan now. Um, I mean, the, the, these are all quality opponents. They may not be cream of the crop SEC opponents, um, but they're, they're still solid programs. And so Nebraska is going to going to prove it. And frankly, I think that they have no problem. Uh, they're they're going to they're going to they're going to roll into the regionals um, on fire and, and ready to roll. If ever there was a fifth team going to get into this edition of the NCAA tournament it would be Iowa, the Hawkeyes on the road at Michigan State, got a win to keep their chances as good as possible. Purdue hosting a pod with Minnesota and Penn State. Game already been pushed back a couple times, suspended in the third inning, Purdue and Penn State. So those two teams will have to finish that game and then the other couple games of the pod. A lot of squeezing in to do in West Lafayette. Elsewhere in the Big Ten will be Rutgers hosting Illinois and Ohio State hosting Northwestern. While the Big Ten's playing the rest of their regular season this week, conference tournaments elsewhere across the country of course the big three the sec the big 12 and the acc and tim nebraska doesn't have to worry about it too much but if you're you know indiana or maryland or even iowa got to watch out for some of those you know non-power five power six conference bid stealers who's going to win their conference tournament steal an automatic bid Not, not a lot of these big 10 teams seem like they have much margin for error on the bubble at all so if you're you know, Indiana, if you're Michigan, if you're Iowa, you really want these favorites to win these these conference tournaments to keep bids out there for you. Well, it's bubble season, SCN, as they say. And this was one of the things uh, that was brought up uh, earlier in the year when Nebraska was still trying to crack that top 25 and they were rallying off those victories. I think a lot of people had the perspective, which is understandable, of, you know, who cares about the rankings? You know, let's just control what you can control and and that that makes sense from a certain perspective but your your conference perception certainly matters and especially when it comes around to seeding and regionals and who's gonna who's on the bubble and who isn't and so when you're looking at those last few teams out uh the perception of the big 10 conference matters a whole lot uh and now should that be the case that's a that's a discussion for another time but all this stuff matters and i think nebraska played it perfect by frankly, just taking care of business uh, on the field when they, when they had to by weighing out right. So, yeah, those other teams, they're going to need some help, and, and they're really, really going to need it given that the Big Ten Conference uh, has not always enjoyed the uh, most stellar perception from the riders and, and, and elsewhere. From college baseball to the pros, busy weekend in Major League Baseball. We'll start up in the Northeast and work our way around the country. It's the Phillies and the Rays in Tampa Bay. The Rays had their 11-game winning streak snapped in game one of the series with the Kansas City Royals, but they won the next two. Wasn't it? Thirteen, I believe, was the was the number Ben wanted at uh, in terms of in terms of uh, winning in a row. So I think, uh, well, he, he said eleven in a row by the All Star break. 
Mm, okay. Well, that's the question. So some team has to get back to that raise mark. The raise up two games in the win column, one game in the standings on Boston and up two games on New York. That's a heck of a race early on in the AL East. Boston's really come out of nowhere to be second place in the division. They let it for a little bit, but Tampa Bay has regained control of it. Those Red Sox will host Miami this weekend, and it's the Yankees at the Tigers. So definitely the easiest series for the number two and three teams in the AL East. Bottom of the AL East is the Orioles. They'll be at the White Sox. The most interesting thing about this series, the new White Sox City Edition uniforms, mostly black. They kind of look like the Clippers black uniforms, uh, at least to me. Have you seen those yet, Tim? I have not. I'm firing up the Google machine right now. And ooh, the south side with the pinstripes. You know what? You know what? I think I could learn to like these. Um, you know, they're a bit, I don't want to, they're unique, uh, different. Um, but yeah, no, you know what? Uh, those are those are pretty crisp. I think I, I think I could, uh, I think I could uh, see see myself wearing that. Not that I'm a Sox fan, but <laughs> you're you Tony know. La Russa fan, so you'll wear it to rep <laughs> him, right? <laughs> I want a La Russa South Side uh, City jersey. Uh, ship that to me now, please. White Sox, if you're listening. Doubt they are, but hey, we'll see if we can get lucky. Elsewhere in the AL Central. My beloved Kansas City Royals, Josh's beloved Minnesota Twins. There's a buy-sell question writing on this. Need the Royals to pull through here. Got Royals got to take four of the seven for my answer of a sell to be correct. Josh, of course, rooting for a buy wants the Twins to take four out of seven. Twins have nowhere to go but up. They've been playing a little bit better. The Royals have leveled off a little bit. Big series in the AL Central. Elsewhere in the Central, it's Cleveland hosting Toronto. Moving on to the American League West, it's the Angels at the Athletics, and hey, maybe the Angels will be able to take the right bus to a different Bay Area city <laughs> this time. What a saga that was. got caught out. I mean, can you blame him? The California traffic situation, not that I live in California nor have I visited in, in many years. Uh, uh, I, I feel bad for that man. Uh, had to catch the <laughs> BART train. Uh, the, I mean, he, he did all he could, but was scratched from pitching duties. Uh, for missing <laughs> missing the pregame pitching warm up so uh RIP sorry Shohei that that's uh that that's a that's a tough one so for those who weren't paying attention don't know about this story Shohei Otani was scratched from his start Angels beat writers start wondering what the heck's going on Otani has been injured so there was some worry that you know he was hurt again not the case the Angels say oh there was there's an accident on the Bay Bridge, you know, he just didn't get to the stadium in time to get through his full pitching routine. Well, the San Francisco Public Transit Twitter account saw that and said, nope, everything was on schedule. So no accidents or anything affecting this area, this bridge. So the Angels are, you know, tail between their legs a little bit. And turns out they just took the wrong bus, ended up going the wrong direction for a little bit, (laughs) got all turned around. So Shohei Otani slated to pitch tonight. Elsewhere in the AL West, it's the Rangers on the road at the Mariners. They have the team worst batting average in the major leagues under 200. It's the last AL West team with the biggest series in that division. The Astros are hosting the Padres right after they got done hosting the Dodgers. Tim, you take a look at those American League West standings. Houston's climbed back into second place. They're five games over 500 right now, only a game and a half behind Oakland. I wasn't big on Oakland coming into the year. I thought Houston was going to be a lot better than they started out, but man, this is a tough stretch for them. Series against the Dodgers. We know that rivalry from World Series pass, and now the Padres, big road in front of Houston. Yeah, well, I, I, I'd have to go back and consult where my where my prediction was, but I believe I picked the A's to win the West, so right now I'm sitting pretty. No surprise there. 
Um, a little bit surprised the Angels haven't fared better. I guess Shohei's been hurt. We just talked about his fiasco. Trout's on the DL. It, with that, yeah. So they're, they're, they've had some injuries, uh, and they're seven games back. So it's it's certainly not over for them, but uh, certainly some ground to make up. But the Athletics, I, I, I was fairly certain I picked them to win the AL West. I'm not going to look it up just because I feel like I, I think that's right. I think I picked them to win it, and I don't <laughs> want to be proven otherwise. So uh, right now I'm feeling pretty good about myself. We'll move on to the National League uh, the Reds are at the Cubs in an NL Central matchup. Pirates hosting the Rockies and your beloved Cardinals on the road at the scuffling Diamondbacks. But three absolutely huge series in the National League this weekend. The first one of them is Milwaukee and Washington. Of course, a great National League wildcard game not all that long ago. Man, we've heard from Lane about all the issues the Brewers are having uh, with injuries. Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain been on the shelf a little bit. Uh, some pitchers on the shelf as well Tim they're looking up at your Cardinals three games back how are you feeling about your cards in the central well I feel strongly because again speaking of predictions Josh did just confirm I did pick the A's as well as he did uh, to win the AL West I also picked the Cardinals to win the NL Central it was pure homerism right there the only team I'm really worried about catching them is is of course uh, uh, the Cubs only a half game back uh, the Brewers, I think, uh, you know, they'll they'll get dusted. So with the Reds and the Pirates, <laughs> enough said. So uh, the Cardinals, I think I can safely say it being only the 28th of May, uh, are, are going to close this deal. So uh, knock on wood and all that, but uh, uh, you can put it in stone. Another big series in the National League in the NL East. It's the East leading Mets against the Atlanta Braves. Still a game under 500 this far into the year. Braves and Phillies are tied two and a half games back of New York, but Phillies 25 and 26, Atlanta 24 and 25. Tim, I've been a little underwhelmed by that whole division so far this year. I thought the Mets would be better. I thought the Phillies would be better. The Braves would be better. Miami's about where I thought they would be, as is Washington. But if Atlanta wants to make a push, this has to be the start of it this weekend against the team in front of that division. Which I'm surprised. I mean, Atlanta, again, I, I was a, a pretty high on them coming in to the season. Now, that's a, that's a stacked uh, NL East. I mean, the Phillies, the Braves, the Marlins, even the Nationals, I mean, they're all in the hunt right now. The Mets, they might be in first place, but they're not really sitting pretty. Uh, Phillies and Braves are, are, are right in that mix. So uh, I, think, I think the Braves will get his turn around. And again, I do believe I picked the Braves to, to win the NL East. And so given how my other predictions are going, I would fully anticipate that to happen. So I'm not as comfortable calling that shot as I am with, with the Cardinals, but uh, we shall see. I think they'll get there. Then out west, it's a California clash between the Dodgers and the Giants. Dodgers sit a half game back of San Diego in the west right now. San Francisco one game back of the Dodgers. I think that's the best race right now, Tim. Any three of those teams would be in first place in yeah any division in baseball right now. So pretty, pretty clearly the three best teams in the league all in one division. San Francisco's frisky. I don't think a lot of people saw them coming. We anticipated the race between the Dodgers and the Padres, but I hope for entertainment's sake, this three-team race keeps going throughout most of the summer. Yeah, I, I hope you're right as well. I do think San Francisco will drop off. I don't know if that's just a gut feeling, uh, but because I, I think Padres and the Dodgers are just a cut above the rest. Uh, but the, the Padres, again, I, I think I did, I did pick them, I believe, to win the NL West. And so I'm not surprised uh, that they're in first place right now. Of course, it's only a half-game lead. That could, that could change <laughs> tomorrow. So, uh, but, again, I think that that NL West is, is extremely stacked. That is one of the strongest uh, divisions, I think, in, in baseball. So 
um, yeah, not not super surprised to see that it's tight right now. And and, and as you said, uh, it's certainly a three horse race. But I would fully anticipate the Padres to hang on to this. Uh, but the Dodgers, they're going to be in that mix all year. So uh, definitely going to keep a close eye on the NL West. From the diamond to the hardwood, NBA playoffs in full swing. We'll start with tomorrow's games. It'll be the Bucks looking to sweep the Heat in the day's first game at twelve thirty. The Heat humiliated the Bucks in pretty public fashion last year and then fall to the Lakers in the finals. Milwaukee's looked really good through the first three games of the series. Denver stole a game from Portland last night. The Nuggets lead the Blazers 2-1 to one in that series. Basically no guards available for Denver, but when you have the presumptive MVP, Nikola Jokic, that tends to make life easier. Other Saturday game in the East is Philadelphia at Washington, of course, That series shifts to Washington now after the instant Philadelphia where Russell Westbrook got some popcorn dumped on him. Russ wasn't looking for a snack. He was not very happy with that fan. And then the Jazz and the Grizzlies tied up at one game apiece. That series now switches to Memphis. On Sunday, it's the Knicks and the Hawks. They sit at 1-1 headed to Atlanta. And Tim, Trey Young is making himself a villain, shushing the crowd after game one. Knicks give it back to him by shutting him down in the second half in game two. This is your classic defense offense clash, and I think the best of the East first round series. Absolutely. And as he deserves, I mean, that hit that buzzer beater or close to it uh, in game one. So, you know, I, I think I kind of like that. You know, you want someone to play the heel, and if it's going to be him, um, I, I'm more than okay with that. I, I, I like a little bit of drama, especially for me, someone who's more of a casual if I could even call myself a casual <laughs> NBA fan I, I'm more than fine uh, with him turning that on so it's so good for him I'd say elsewhere on Sunday will be the Lakers hosting the Suns for game four not the same series at all without Chris Paul at full speed of course hampered by that shoulder injury and his shooting shoulder the Lakers basically aren't even guarding him right now that really changes the calculus for Phoenix Back east, it'll be Brooklyn and Boston from TD Garden. Brooklyn, I think, is my east favorite right now, Tim. I know Philadelphia has been the one pretty much all year, but it's hard to deny the talent of the big three and even a few of those role players that Brooklyn has. Well, we were speaking of villains earlier. I think the whole team, uh, Brooklyn, <laughs> uh, are villains. And, yeah, Brad Stevens, now they're down 2-0. Probably should have taken that uh, fat salary that Indiana offered him <laughs> to, to, to tuck his tail between his legs. So. No, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, the Nets, uh, I can pretty comfortably say they have this locked up. And you're right. I'm looking at the rest of the field uh, in the East, and, and I don't think anyone really stacks up well against the Nets. So the Nets, yeah, this could be theirs to lose. So we'll, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that as it progresses. The last NBA game on Sunday is out west. It'll be the Clippers and the Mavericks in Dallas. Game three of that series going on tonight with Lucas Mavericks up 2 to nothing over Kawhi and PG's Clippers. Of course, the Nebraska connection there, Tyron Liu. Man, I really hope the Clippers get it turned around for Ty Liu's sake. This would be a major inflection point for the Clippers. They come in with the rest situation with Kawhi and Paul George. It looks like they got it all put together, and then they basically forget how to shoot once the playoffs start. That's been the Clips' big issues. And I'm not a big hockey guy, but supposedly the NHL playoffs are still happening uh, tomorrow. You have Game 6 between Toronto and Montreal in the north. Then game one of the second round series in the East will be the New York Islanders and the Boston Bruins. Tim, your uh, St. Louis Blues fandom is well known on this program, but I also know you're a Patriots fan. So are the Bruins your, your second hockey team behind the Blues, or do you not have a second love? No, I mean, heck no, especially not the Bruins. Um, I don't think I have a, a second hockey team. I mean, the Golden Knights are, are fun as a 
I mean, they're almost like a Josh uh, throws EA his Sports hands up in despair. Right. They're like they're like an EA Sports create a team franchise. Is kind of what they remind me of. Uh, no, I mean, I can't I can't confess to have any type of strong enough hockey following to have a second team. Um, I, I'm no Tampa Bay. I know I do know I dislike the Lightning simply because our own Ben McLaughlin uh, enjoys <laughs> to watch them play. So. Um, no, I, I think I can. My, my only rooting interest from here on out is rooting against the Avalanche, who uh, swept the Blues out of the playoffs, and uh, of course rooting against the Lightning as well because there's no there's no reason why Ben needs to have an extra pep in his step. That's that's a, that's absurd. So uh, no more rooting interests left for me. Although I do enjoy a little bit of NHL playoffs, but uh, obviously a bitter bitter end uh, to the Blues. So I'm still smarting from that. Well, those Colorado Avalanche have the first game. On Sunday, they'll take on the winner of tonight's uh, Golden Knights Wild game. That series went to seven games. So you're, you're pulling for the Knights, Josh pulling for the Wild. We'll see how that turns out with game one on Sunday. And then a potential game seven between Toronto and Montreal, also potentially in the wings on Sunday. We'll finish it up with the Charles Schwab Challenge down in Texas. We had a buy-sell question on this. Greg asked if uh, Phil Mickelson would make the cut or not. Does not look like it's trending that way for old Phil. As of last check, he was four over par. Looks like the cut line will be one over. So that tournament's about halfway through down in Fort Worth, Texas. And that's the weekend. There you have it, folks. Everything you could ever want and more. Well, you're forgetting one thing, aren't you? Is the uh, the Champions, the Champions League final, Chelsea Man City. What, you're not tuning in, Austin? I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know they had a final. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's that's too bad. So sad, uh, Austin. I mean, I, I, the whole of the world and Brett Whitty will be tuned in to see Manchester City and Chelsea play. Well, so. not the whole of the world. I'm not turning my TV on. So no, not not you, not Correct. you. Most most people, but just not just not Austin Norman. So well, my anyway, but 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 good stuff. Good job on the uh, on the preview. On um, that, old uh, means we got to take a break. When we come back, though. Uh, Going to have a discussion about the NCAA transfer portal. Has it gone too far? The answer is yes. Uh, sorry, no, not no tease, but <laughs> I think it has. But I'm going to explain why next. It's the Sports Nightly Week in Review. From Monday night, former Nebraska baseball player Jeff Lisey. Will's fiery. He's competitive. He wants to win. And, and that's absolutely how the group is, I think, he would probably tell you that's probably the type of kid they want and the type of kid they're going to recruit here. But you, you just never know. I mean, as a coach, you can be fiery and intense and that kind of player, but, you know, maybe you don't have the right mix, the right group, and, and that personality may not show at your club. But this team certainly embodies that. I think they have good leadership and, and they play the game the right way. And, and it, it absolutely is. It resembles how Will played as a player. The Nebraska Baseball Show with head coach Will Bull. That's just being a team, just being a team that picks each other up. And, and Kate has been so amazing for us all year. I mean, just been so consistent and been a true ace and just, uh, you know, match pitch for pitch with just about everybody that he's gone up against. And, and he wasn't at his best uh, on Friday, and it wasn't from a lack of competing or having, you know, I thought his stuff was actually pretty good, the command with a fastball. Um, you look at the walks, uh, it wasn't like he was walking guys, but he was chasing the count a little bit and uh, put him in some tough spots at times. But, you know, credit to our bullpen. They did a, a very nice job of, of standing up and, um, you know, finding a way to just finish the thing off. Tuesday night, 
the Nebraska Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose. What a great story. I mean, the, the, the entire story, the uh, weekend story, the Will Bolt story, the, um, the Big Ten playing a, a, a non-traditional uh, conference-only schedule. I mean, uh, Greg, we had so many distractions in all of our sports programs and baseball uh, right in there with the rest of them, and Will and his people figured it out, and a great resolve by a, a, a great bunch of young guys, and here we are, Big Ten champions uh, with a, with uh, one series left to go here at home. I, I'm so proud of them, uh, uh, and we all should be. That, that isn't an easy feat, and and we did it, and, and uh, there'll be more. I'm going to tell you, I like the direction we're going in baseball. Mitch Sherman from the Athletic. Will played like a guy who was six foot two, you know, 190 pounds, <laughs> swung a swung a big bat, you know, had had warning track, you know, a home run power. Um, and, and in reality, he came in a much smaller package. But it was his uh, his toughness and his attitude that made a huge difference for him. You know, he was he was built like a guy who should be playing Division two ball. And there he was as a captain and a leader right from the start. A leader right from the start. I mean, he was a captain late in his career, but he was definitely a leader right away um, among that class of Huskers who m- took Nebraska, carried Nebraska to a new level. He came in with guys like Adam Stern and John Cole, who were similar to him and not being real big in stature, but just had a ton of heart and, and, and willed Nebraska they wanted it more than the guys that they were playing against almost every night. And you see that with him as a coach for sure. Nebraska track and field coach Gary Pepin. We thought we had a chance to be battling Iowa for the championship. And and so we were uh, real disappointed that, that we only ended up fourth. And at the same time, we had eight people in that meet uh, that would have scored high, that would have moved us into an easy second position, but they were either, most of them were at the meet and either got hurt at the meet or didn't get to the meet. And, and so some of those factors we, we couldn't control. So I felt like that the, the women did not have a good meet at all. We're going to have to get a lot better. I thought the men were on the right track. We just We just weren't quite good enough that day. From Wednesday night, the Big Ten Blitz. Going to a positive side, I mean, the defense, especially in the secondary, uh, with the changes they made on the coaching staff, with Jim Leonard taking just the safeties and Hank Poteet coming in to coach the, the cornerback group, uh, you could see the improvement of both groups getting that individual attention and getting some more, you know, individual time with each coach and a little more one-on-one time with those coaches. You could see the, the physicality of the line of scrimmage from both positions, uh, their improvement on the ball down the field. There's a lot of stuff in that secondary to be happy about, and I think the the amount of experience they have at both of those spots coming back is, is a big plus for them. So uh, lots of stuff that came out of spring, and I think the Badgers feel pretty good about what they're at right now. Nebraska basketball recruiting coordinator, Shannon Love. I've followed him loosely prior to Nebraska. I've heard of his career. I knew Matt beforehand, so I knew about his career with Matt. Um, but all I've ever heard about is good things about Coach Hoiberg, and it's not even just basketball. Most of the good things I hear about Coach Hoiberg were about him as a person, a family man. Um, he's kind, fair. You know, you, you got to get the job done, right? And you have to work. But assuming, you know, you're a good person, there's a great relationship you can have there with Coach Hoiberg. And um, if you kind of read up on his past, he just 
the people I've tried to connect with and say, hey, do you know who he is? And even if you didn't know him, I heard from different GMs and, and other people around the business, hey, like, I don't know him, but I've never heard anything bad about him. And I've kind of heard good things about him from other people. So that's kind of like the research I did behind that. Major League Baseball insider Lane Grindle. They're really good. They've got great pitching, great pitching depth. Uh, they have very good numbers from a bullpen standpoint. Uh, they're one of the best bullpen statistically in baseball. And they've got a great lineup with a lot of different options in it. I mean, right now they don't have Trent Grisham, they don't have Manny Machado, and they just keep on plugging along. They're they're really talented. That NL West is going to be some showdown over the course of this summer between them and the Dodgers. And I know the Giants are in there right now. I, I think they're going to have a hard time keeping pace with those two teams over the course of a full season. But right now the Giants are are screaming and yelling at all of us saying, don't forget about us because they keep hanging in there too. Thursday night. Former Husker, Jeremiah Searles. Some things on offense that I really thought, too, is I love Samari Toure in the slot. I think that he's going to be an absolute mismatch nightmare for some guys that play in the slot there. He's got the experience of playing the outside receiver if we need him to bump out there. But I think he's going to do phenomenal being inside lined up there and do a lot of things with him in the motion game, the jet game. I, I promise you, Scott Frost and co., are looking at him going, man, this, is, this could be a really fun gadget, but also we know he can run routes really well. And then the big one that everyone loved is Omar Manning, right? You get a chance to see him on the field at the end on the side of his helmet, and you can feel his presence when you're down on the field. I was down on the sideline during the game, and he walks by, and you're like, yeah, that's an NFL wide receiver right there that has potential to do amazing things here. So those are kind of things that really stand out. And then the one kind of, I wouldn't call it a negative, but thing that really is a question mark going in, is I didn't see a true RB1 for this offense. I think it's going to be a lot of running back by committee, especially early in the year, until you find the guy that can ride the hot hand. All of our guests this week joined us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline. Sports Sunday Hotline brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience a difference, purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Also, thanks to Josh Shilkman, who put together the Week in Review, as he does each and every week. And when we come back... Don't go anywhere because we're going to have our winners and losers. That's next. Final segment here tonight, this Friday night before Husker baseball plays the rest of their series against Michigan over the weekend. And it is now time for our winners and losers. Austin, why don't you start us off? All right, so my winner is the Milwaukee Bucks. I got ousted in the playoffs by the Miami Heat last year, pretty embarrassing fashion, much bigger goals and what they had this year they are out for vengeance they trade out Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday and seems to have made a difference so far the Heat uh it looked pretty bad thanks to Drew Holiday's efforts Bucks lead that series three nothing I know a couple Bucks fans are pretty happy for them looking to put the finishing touches on a sweep or at least a gentleman's sweep this weekend my loser the Chicago White Sox and we talked about their New Jersey's. I don't like them all that much. I, I know Nate Rohr doesn't like them because they're new. Um, but also, they renamed a lounge in their stadium. It was called Loretta's Lounge. This Loretta had worked at um, the, the White Sox Park for 60 years, and they just renamed the section away from this beloved employee that everyone knew by name, knew by face, would come chat to for Tony Larusa, who not only already had something named after him in the stadium, but has not really endeared himself to Chicago fans at all. So my winner, the Bucks. My loser, the White Sox. Oh come on, Larusa can have anything he wants after him. Uh, you know that's that, that, <laughs> that's my boy. That nah. is my boy. 
Uh, all right, Josh, who's your who's your winners and losers? All right, my winner is Cade Povich, the immaculate inning to start the game earlier today against Michigan. So unbelievable effort by that young man. Also went seven strong, didn't give up a run. So he's pitching well, which is what the Oscars need going into the postseason. My loser actually was going to be the same as as Austin, the White Sox, but I guess I'll have to move on to something else. Uh, I, I just stumbled upon this merely seconds ago. Apparently, uh, Neymar, the one-named soccer player who Brett used to be a fan of but now isn't because he moved on from his team, uh, has called out Nike over a bunch of lies is what he called it. So I don't know if I'm calling Neymar my loser or Nike, but it sounds like there's a big uh, feud going on there. So I'm gonna I, maybe you know more about it, Tim, being a big soccer guy, but... Uh, it sounds like one of those two, or maybe both of those uh, two entities, are both losers. So I don't know much about it, but I had to I had to adjust on the fly because Austin took my loser. So whoops, I, <laughs> I admire right. the versatility. I had to adjust on the fly as well. You took my winner, but uh, oh no, <laughs> one of my winners though, Phil Mickelson. Uh, shoot, after shooting a three over at the Charles Schwab Challenge, he replied with a, "Well, I won the PGA." So <laughs> it's like, well, maybe not exactly a winning mentality, but uh, fair enough, Phil to take that victory lap with his uh, win there. Also, uh, my, my loser, uh, we already talked about this earlier in the program, but uh, Shohei Otani, I mean, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> he, tried, he was in, uh, had, the, had the accident, or rather was in the bus, and, and, and was, the, the traffic was backed up significantly. Tried to get on the BART train. Uh, that didn't work out and got scratched from the lineup. So um, be better, uh, Shohei Otani. But uh, that is all we have for the week. Thanks so much for joining us. My thanks to Austin Orman for helping me drive the bus here and also for Josh Hilkman for producing this one. And hope everyone has a great rest of their week.